What it do, my people? Welcome into No Catch Up Chicago for Chicago by Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. Big show today. T's back with me. We're going to talk about the Bulls tanking, what they should do with Zach Levine. A lot to break down there going into the summer. We're going to talk the Evan Turner Showcase. Chicago's own Daniel Poneman's putting that on with collaboration with Evan Turner. A lot of details there. It's about young prospects trying to get college scholarships. It's a good cause. We're going to break that down. And then we're going to talk about Villanova winning the natty last night. Dante DiVincenzo went crazy, did his thing. We're going to go into that, talk about if they're a blue blood or not. I heard that flying around. Lots to break down. T's in the building. Let's go. T, my G. What's good? How you doing, man? How are you, man? You living? Good, good. Yeah. Enjoyed that uh, NCAA championship game last night. Dude, it's always a good little Monday when yeah, the championship is on. it's a nice little thing after the weekend, you know? Yeah. I, dude, it's funny, bro, because I was talking to – so my office is in Chicago. I work for CBS, as you know. And a ton of my guys are out east in New York, and they have to deal with that, like, 8.30 tip. Right. That's so fucking late, bro. Yeah, to be like a, even like a Lakers fan in New York or something, that's crazy. You know, you're doing that all the time up till one thirty watching these games. For sure. And I think the Monday thing, even on top of it, I get it. It's mass, The Masters are coming up at the end of the week. You want to kind of have the Final Four that Saturday, play the game on Monday instead of pushing it back four or five days or a week even, whatever. But that's tough being on the East Coast. And I understand the West Coast folks tipping the game at 6, but that shit's too early. I mean, too late for the East Coast, bro. Yeah, I'd be sure. I'd be hot if I was on the <laughs> East Coast trying to watch that. Yeah, if I had worked the next day, that would suck. With the one shining moment, that shit came on at like almost 11 o'clock. So, yeah, that shit's crazy. But it's always fun when the championship game, it's always, I think it's dope to close it out on a Monday, coming right off the Final Four that Saturday. I do like it coming right off the Final Four, that's for sure. Like, everything's just still hot, you know, like, these teams are still hot. Like, if, if you're hot on Saturday, you know, you see it coming into the, the game on Monday. Um, I wouldn't mind some, like, Thursday-Saturday action either if they pushed it up, but it was good. Yeah, that was – um, yeah, they want that primetime Saturday slot with the back-to-back games. But, yeah, it's a travel thing too. But, yeah, that wouldn't be bad. I wouldn't mind a Thursday-Saturday. That would be right. dope. But um, it was a great game last night. We're going to get into that heavy. But let's talk about these Bulls. Let's do it. Because my frustration is through the roof. I've been talking about this with a whole bunch of folks around the city in general. Just talking about the tanking shit. They're they're trying to tank, but they're winning games at the same time. Yeah, th- th- this last two weeks really fucked us up. Like, there were some super, you know, must-lose games, and we ended up winning them. Um, you know, there was that Miritich stretch we talked about. But it's not going perfect, but we could still end up with something nice. Yeah, I mean, we still got a shot, obviously, but we need to close out. Like, Phoenix, bro, I think they've lost 17 or 18 in a row. Yeah. And they're going to they're gonna lose out. They're going to close the game. They're going to close the season like 25 in a row else. Yeah, Phoenix is nice uh, as far as... As far as tanking goes. <laughs> as far as tanking goes. <laughs> My guy was actually telling me they were, you know, Aiton's playing on the whole, like, Kobe and Shaq thing. He's trying to build a Kobe and Shaq type of thing with Booker in Phoenix. Yeah. So he wants to go there. Um, Aiton, that is. who I wouldn't mind on the Bulls. Yeah, <laughs> we're never going to see him, though. Yeah. Booker and Aiton would be kind of crazy out there. It would, man. Potentially. Would. Any of these guys. I don't think you can miss in the top three. Um, I see some bust potential, like, 
on the board, you know, maybe like three through ten. But I really think like Bagley, Aiton, Luka Doncic, all these guys are going to pan out well. Did you see Doncic the other day hit that buzzer beater? Yeah, he had a gamer walk off. Walk <laughs> off and was wild calm. Yeah. Like, I wish I watched more Spanish ball, like, and could see the actual comp. But, man, from all the insiders and everyone that follows those guys over there, that's the second best league in the world, bar none. And he's out there scoring 23, 24 all the time. Right. So, wait, talk to me about some of this bust potential, though. I mean, you know, like people are talking about um, Trey Young. Young. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see that bust potential, but I could see, like, him not being a superstar right away, and people are going to call that a bust, even though it's going to take him, you know, maybe four or five years to pan out in this league, kind of like Steph Curry did, you know? I don't like the – actually, I do like the Steph Curry comparison. What am I it's like I the use only it all comparison. The time, I use it all the time. It's but, like the only one that yeah, actually makes any right. sense that makes – that kind of can, like, shed a positive light on his type of game, yeah. in my opinion. Because I, I can't – I when I look at Trey Young's game and I try to compare him to someone, I don't know who – that could be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and the Bulls, though, even though we were talking how they like, you know, they're not tanking as perfectly as they could be, they could also run something here with these picks. You know, say they end up, uh, you know, with the ninth and nineteen, the, they could end up with like fourteen to sixteen because the Pelicans are slipping. But yeah, they could always move those picks. You know, I mean, we did it to get McDermott, so I don't see why we wouldn't do it at a time where we could get, you know, a franchise guy. Yeah, if we could, yeah, package both of those yeah, picks package two, to move you up. Know, early, mid, first round picks to get up to that, you know, top six. Top five, top yeah, six, where we need to guys, be at. Right. Definitely. Well, I think that's a good segue into talking about Zach Levine. Interesting situation. They shut him down for the rest of the year, along with uh, a couple other cats. Chris Dunn as well. It looks like Valentine's going to be out the rest of the year as well with a knee. So there's a, there's a few guys that are out the rest of the year that are potential pieces coming up next year. The, the situation with Levine is interesting because this summer, coming up in two, three months, he's going to be a restricted free agent. He just turned 23 years old, March 10th. And he is going to command big money. He's a 23-year-old guard that can score or has shown that he can score. He's exciting, and that's that commands a lot of bread. You know what I mean? Let's break down. He only played 24 games for us this year. Took him. He took his time coming back off the knee, 11 months in total, to come back earlier this year in January. Um, okay, break it down. This is, this is the breakdown of his 24 games. The first 12... He's on a minutes restriction to start, like 20 minutes a game, right? 25 minutes in his first 12, his first 12 games, averaged 25 minutes in those first 12. He averaged 17 points, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. His shooting splits are 41, 37, and 82. And for you guys that don't know, that's th- that's a field goal percentage, three point percentage, and uh, the free throw line, right? Not bad. First 12 games. 17, 4, 2 and a half. He's not a big assist guy anyway. He's the the, the point guard two hybrid. But right. He's more of a two for me. Yeah. Um, 
And then the last 12, playing 30 minutes a game, he slips a little bit. 16 points, three rebounds, goes up an assist, and then he's shooting 36, 31, and 80. Yeah. So he sh- he slips in field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, rebounds, and points. Right. And, you know, this, this is going to be the first year he's shot under 40%. I know it's a small sample size, so yeah. it's not great to look at, but it was kind of surprising that he's never shot under 40% because sometimes you get those rookie slumps. You know, you'll see a guy like him rookie year uh, shooting 38 39% like it's nothing. But, you know, I'm not too concerned about the percentages. Um why not though? Just because, like, just because of the sample size. Like over a year, I'm looking at that a little more closely. But you know, the, some of the things I do like is like I'm pretty sure he averaged uh, his most free throw attempts this year. Again, small sample size, so you got to take that for what it is. You know, on a team where he's, you know, putting up whatever shots he wants. But I like that he's still driving. You know, coming off the injury, um, he's a way improved shooter. So I don't mind him shooting that whenever he wants. But to see him still get into the line is good. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm big on Zach, so I want Zach to stay here. Yeah, Darnell Mayberry of the Athletic put together a great a great article that I was reading, and that that kind of sparked my interest to have this conversation. It's a tough spot because you're right; it's a small sample size, right? But when he gets to to free agency, he's going to be expecting a ton of money, and so you're a Zach guy. Do you feel comfortable with giving him 40, not, excuse me, not 40, like a four-year, $100 million deal, 110, 120? I think the max is like five and 150 plus, something around there. He might even get that. He's restricted free agent, so we're going to be able to match whatever he gets. What would you feel comfortable matching? Up to what number? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, selfishly, I'm hoping that you know, teams kind of overlook him uh, because of the injury. And I hate to say that, but I just really want him to be a bull. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm comfortable matching, you know, up to that 80 to $100 million mark on a deal like that if it's, you know, going to mean that we have something to build around. I think that's important. Um, what do you I, like I do so much about might, his game? I just think he's like, he's got a little, some of that killer instinct, man. When you see him with the ball, he's he's really comfortable in his game and he keeps developing developing it. Um, you know, every year we're seeing, you know, him shine some light on some new aspects offensively. Uh, he's just getting more and more comfortable behind a three-point line. He'll pull up from anywhere. He'll, you know, he takes some tough shots. And this wasn't stuff that he could do rookie years. So, you know, he's working. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it is tough. I'm not sold at all, man. And I don't want to lock us in for like a five-year 130 that would be tough for me to swallow. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of reckless. That's why, you know, I'd want to stay a little more comfortable with the deal we offer him. Um, like, an example of something I'd be comfortable with, the, the other kicker is that he's 23, right? He has that in his face. Right. So, like, West, like, a West Matthews signed a four-year 70. Like, I would love to get something like that. But West Matthews is, like, 31, I think, 32. Yeah. So, like, that's going to be tough to get, right? Nick Batoon. Five-year, 120. That was that big summer where everybody was getting right. paid. So, like, if we could somehow lock him in for, like, a four-year 80, so 20 per, 
Not many people are making twenty per. No, yeah, that'd be that'd be love for him, and that'd be good for us too, man. Let me give you let me give you who's making twenty per at the two guard. The only people making twenty twenty plus million dollars are Victor Oladipo at twenty one, Batoon, who we just talked about at twenty two point four, JJ Reddick signed that huge one year deal at twenty three, Brad Beal, CJ McCollum, Demar, James Harden. Gordon Hayward. These are all-stars. These are all-stars. Right. So you, if you sign him to that, you're banking on him being an all-star in two years. You're banking on an old depot effect, you know, a, a promising two-guard who ends up being more than just promising. But I don't think he can do that. And he doesn't play – and he plays zero defense. He's not a good defender. I'll, I'll definitely agree with you there. At all. It's also like somewhat of the culture of the teams he's been on. You know, he was on a, on a Timberwolves team that didn't play D – and he's on a Bulls team that that really can't do anything, but but yeah, no, there's no excuse. I guess um, you got to lock up. I mean, CJ McCollum doesn't lock up, but CJ CJ McCollum can also give you eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, CJ McCollum is a walking bucket. Yeah, like you know what I'm saying. Like I think it's it's to, to even cross reference it with like the Cubs shit. Like that people are talking about Kyle Schwarber. And Ian Happ out in the outfield. If these dudes continue to rake and Ian Happ struggling, but like, dude, you don't you don't have to play D when you when you're about to hit 40, 45 homers. You don't have to play D when every night you're coming out scoring 29, 25, like CJ is. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, but especially with all these young guys, and he's gonna be the core, 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 he can't play any defense. He's coming off of an injury. He played 24 games. It's a lot of potential. It's it's the contract would be a lot a lot of hope for us to to give him a five year 150. That's which which would be the max. Yeah. So I'm hoping we could somehow slither away and get away with like four and 80. Yeah, I'd love that. I'll take that. And I agree. We I don't know about going all out on him, but I do want him to stay here. Yeah, I mean, at twenty per, I don't see. I, I could, I could deal with that. That's something that I could swallow. And I mean, it's also tough because everybody around him is so young and trying to put shit together too. So that's a factor. But when you start getting into one twenty five, one thirty plus, it's a lot of bread to be locking up on a on a lot of potential of a guy that that's. The only thing he's done in the league is win a couple slam dunk championships, and then the year the year he was getting hurt or the year before he scored twenty a game. Yeah, I also think you know the draft is big on what happens with Zach. Depends how we pair him up with, you know, the players we bring in. Um, if we bring in a nice big to complement Laurie, we have, you know, we already have Dunn, Levine. Then you're talking about building something. Um, if this draft doesn't go so seriously for us, then, you know, you're kind of still holding off, waiting on something to build around. Yeah, this is a quote from uh, Denzel Valentine. He said this today. I saw this on Cody Westerland's Twitter. And I quote, I feel like I should have a bigger role next year. I definitely should be a starter coming in. I definitely want to improve and be a for sure starter on this team. I think I can be a, a consistent player at this level and be someone they can rely on. I want to know your thoughts on that and 
we could talk about Valentine's game overall and who on the roster do you want to see next year? Like, these are the guys that I need, I want to see on the roster going forward. I know some are going to be locked up on contracts that we probably won't be able to do anything with, like Felicio. Right. But who do you want to see on the squad next year? Who do you think can make an impact going forward? Um, as far as like obviously the must haves, you know, you're gonna want you you're gonna want Dunn on the team still. I, I think he could be the point guard of the future for us. Um I think we could have like an NFL type scenario where you don't have to have an Aaron Rodgers to win a, a Super Bowl, you know. You can have a very good point guard who's just really good at, you know, playing the position, playing defense. So give me Dunn to stay. Obviously Laurie, uh I want Levine. Um, that pretty much ends it for the guys who I who I definitely want here. Obviously, what do you think about Valentine's quote, though? That's I mean, strong, I like bro. I like the confidence. Yeah. Um, I even liked his game a lot in college. I think we spoke about this, but he just doesn't have an NBA game. He he doesn't have a um, the speed, agility, you know, lateral movement. He can't really play in this league at a level where he should be starting on on a team. I agree. I mean, he was that all-everything dude at Michigan State. Right, yeah. He had the triple-doubles. And, and he can't – that he he just can't – he's not going to be able to do that in the league. He needs to – I will say this. I was, I'm was i impressed with his jumper and have been all year. He shoots it with confidence. When he gets a good look – you know how when, when cats pull up and it's like you just don't know where that shit's going to go? Yeah. When he when he misses, it's usually it's usually – Online, ready to yeah, go. Yeah, back rim. Yeah, like shit like that. Like it looks good. Um, like DiVincenzo last night. Like everything he missed looked right. like cash. So that that's always encouraging to me. And he shoots that thing with confidence. So, yeah, he's got solid mechanics. It's just you know the physicality of the game that that's getting to him. I think. Um, I think it's one of those things. You can improve where, on that though. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where he needs to special. Like if it's corner threes. And that's what you think you can bring to the squad this summer. He should be firing corner. You know what? I'm going to say that's what he should be doing all summer. He should be coming out next year and just be knocked down like a Danny Green type. Right. Danny yeah. Green's been Danny in the Green league. Danny Green found his niche. He knows that he could lock Dude. up and he could shoot those three. Exactly, bro. And at Carolina, he did a little bit more and was like more of was had a more overall game, kind of like Valentine. Right. But when he got to the league, he was like, dude, I can't fucking hang with these cats yeah, trying to so play like that. Yeah, so he doesn't try to put the ball so on the ground. So he doesn't, nah. He, he, yo, does not put the ball on the ground right. ever. That's, I would love if Denzel Valentine turned into Danny Green. Yeah, that'd be asking a lot, especially defensively. But. Defensively, yeah. But I'm saying on the offensive end, that would be a d- huge W for me. And I think that's how he... Stays in the league for a a long stretch of time. March Madness is officially over. The Natty was last night. First off, I love saying the Natty for some reason. (laughs) Like, whatever, everybody calls it the national championship. Like, I think everyone should call that shit the Natty. That fuck with the Natty. You know what I'm saying? Like, college football, like, dude, Bama won the Natty. (laughs) Like, that's what everybody should call that shit. That's just a PSA for anybody listening. Villanova took it home last night, 79-62 against Michigan. Deep down, I think I'm supposed to root for Michigan because they're Big Ten and we're Chicago. Nah. But I'm not I don't rock with Michigan at all. Yeah, never. There's uh, been some MSU squads that I like, but it's rare to find a Michigan squad that I was really in I guess Fab Five. And that Glenn Robinson Trey Burke team too, but Yeah, that, that team was fun. Yeah. 
Now, Osborne for Nova, um, I like Brunson, obviously. Yeah, Chicago, Chicago area kid, yeah. Play AP player of the year, man, doing 20 a game. Yeah. Um, he's serious. Ball player. Yeah, he didn't have a great game yesterday, but his team did, and you saw a lot of leadership out of him. For sure. Yo, early in the game, Michigan came out on their shit. Yeah, they did. They came out early. Wagner was doing his thing, who I think is going to be a good pro. It's hard not to be a good pro when you're that size and you have some touch and can shoot it like he can. I think if he can get a little off the dribble, a little a little one-two dribble pull-up, I think he could be a, a real problem. Um, but no one's really mentioned this that I've heard after hearing recaps of the game and, you know, people talking about the game. It was super early in the game. Jalen Brunson, it was a stop and play somewhere and at the top of the key that he was going down. And he started pounding the ball, and he was yelling at his boys, like, let's go. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. They, they were down, like, five or six points, right. I think. It was early. I did see that, actually. But you can almost, like, he almost could tell, like, yo, before this shit gets out of hand, let me let me wake these cats up a little yeah. bit. And, like, yo, let's get, let's get going, bro. This is a national championship. And they did. They did wake up after that. They woke up after that, and then Dante DiVincenzo came in the game, and he really woke him up. Yeah, he was just went threes. You know, I had Nova watching Michigan, like, you know, before the game. Yeah. I, I, that's what I thought would happen. Um, they did kind of end up watching them, but they I didn't definitely think it this them. way. I thought Brunson was going to have a huge game. Um, he didn't do much, but DiVincenzo, man, he stepped up. That shit was ridiculous, bro. This is where you do that one shiny moment stuff, man. Yo, <laughs> <it> right there. <laughs> Yo he was balling. Yeah. He was balling. Let me break down his line. He had confident, you know, confident as fuck. Uh, in face jumpers, in face, yeah. dude, coming off a screen, any space he was pulling, he was going to the basket. He was finishing with his left hand. He was playing defense. He do he did it all last night. Thirty one points, five rebounds, three assists. I mean, he was ten of fifteen from the floor, five of seven from the tray. Played thirty seven minutes. I mean, he was balling, bruh. He gave when he, and when he came off the bench, it was that was it. The game was over. Yeah, no, they they just really started running through him. And I don't know, a lot of good teams sometimes will stick to the script. Um, it looks like for a while they just like threw the script away and uh, were running through him. But at the same time, I don't think they were because coach uh, Coach Wright is really you know starting to cement himself as one of the great college coaches, and you could still see that they were running sets and. You know, moving the ball really well. They were running sets, but they were running a lot of sets to get him the yeah. ball, or the ball was in his hands. He had a couple of good assists. He was finding people. He was making the right decisions. He played a dude a plus, bro. Top line, yeah, top class. That's top how you drawer. do, it, man. That's how you go out. Absolutely. Like, and he'll be back. I don't think he's gonna go pro, but man, he looked. He looked like a serious problem. It reminded me of that Grayson Allen type of takeover when he was a freshman. If you remember that first half of the Duke championship. Yeah, I, I hate Grayson Allen, though, man. So it's hard for me to make that comparison. <laughs> with spot, yeah, but, but. I, the comparison of just him coming on, yeah, no, giving their, keeping, keeping their team in the game and then p- kind of pushing them through. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think that's what he did. He caught a lot of flack after the game. With this whole Twitter shit. Now, I want to talk about this shit because this really bothers me. I'm on Twitter. Professional journalists. I'm talking like journalists that have been in the game for a minute. 
are retweeting some of DiVincenzo's tweets from like 2011, 2012, when he's a young, young kid. Right. They, I mean, I just I don't like when they do that to any athlete. This is five, ten minutes after he wins the yeah. championship. <laughs> That's, like that's how you know that they were just waiting to hate. Like they were looking at like I bet right after he hit a couple threes, they started looking it up, like looking up his old tweets. Yeah, you know, they hit with, hit KD with that. They hit, you know, Isaiah Thomas with that. That shit's um, lame. Yeah, some of them are funny. Like KD, one KD had one like uh, I drink Scarlett Johansson's bath water. That was pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, some of these other ones like like just hating, just to hate. You know, this guy just won the national championship. He just played the game of his life. He just poured it all, poured hot lava on Michigan, bro. Yeah. Fired, just destroyed Michigan. And then that's what, like. Some Meek Mill lyrics. Some Meek Mill, yeah, like. And he deleted his Twitter. Um, I don't really. Yeah, I mean, it's a panic thing. He doesn't yeah. know what to do. Like, he's getting slander. He, you know, eventually he's going to try to be a pro. It's about not ruining his image and shit, but, like. I don't even know if, like, if you can't, if you're an adult and you can't see, like, what that's coming from, he listens to hip-hop, he, he, he recites some Meek Mill lyrics that have the N-word in them, and he writes them in the tweet. It's not, he's not using it in a derogatory manner. He wrote, like, he likes when girls lick his asshole. He, like, no. Yeah, yeah, that was, <laughs> that, I didn't see that you one. You didn't see that one? <laughs> He was like, I really like something. Something to the the nature of, I really like when girls lick my butt. I think he said butthole, <laughs> but like, so fucking what? Who cares? Yeah, it, a lot it, of these like, guys joking around if, on Twitter. Like, even if that was true, because it, it might be, it probably is true. <laughs> Who cares, bro? Yes. Like, what difference does it make? Like, for you to try to slander a dude from from shit that he tweeted. In 2011, seven years ago, like, that shit's lame. Go talk about what he just did to Michigan. Forget about what he tweeted in 2011. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. It, it's just kind of lazy, in my opinion, especially when it's you got wild jur- journalists doing it and stuff. Like, you know, go focus on your craft instead of hating. Yeah, man. Like, it's wild. It's wild, lazy. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. But I was very impressed with Villanova. I think that... Honestly, when I was watching, I was like, this is the fucking Villanova Rockets. Yeah, they they were letting it go, man, and they were hitting it too. I mean, um, they, I didn't they had wa- three guys on the court at all times who were just I didn't watch shooting. a ton of Nova ball this year. I watched them three times in the tournament. They looked like last night, and especially in the Final Four against Kansas, they they reminded me of the fucking Rockets and the Warriors. Yeah, they were, I mean, the, the, the Warriors changed the game, man. Steph changed the game, and he changed the NBA, but... You forget that, like, you know, kids are watching, too. So he's going to change high school basketball. He's going to change college basketball. There's been a lot of threes on a lot of systems before, but the way they were just letting it fly, you know, trying to capture that uh, true shooting percentage, trying to chase those analytics, um, you know, you're going to shoot more threes. I mean, absolutely. It was it was like Jay Wright was like, all right, this is what we got. To, this is what we need to be doing down here, too. Like, yeah. it was if crazy. If you got the personnel, why not, man? Especially in the – that three point line's what two three feet closer. Yeah, like so. that's big, that's huge. So I was very impressed, man. I think that was fun to watch. Jay Wright. I heard some arguments about is Villanova now a blue blood program? They have three titles. I think since I think they won seventy six or seventy nine. They won eighty. Don't quote me on the year. No, but eighty five. 
Was it 85? It was 85 when they upset Patrick Ewan. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah you posted that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a dope t- Ed Pinkney. Big was facts. On that squad. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in the last what? 35 years. Three times. Three times. Two in the last three years. Two in the last three years. People were arguing if they're a Blue Bud program. How do you feel about that? Do you think they should, when you say Blue Blood, you think of Carolina, UCLA, Kentucky, Duke? Yeah. Would Um, you put them in that class? Or is it? Not yet, but I think it's kind of, it's dope how you could jump. Like in college like that, you get a couple good recruiting classes and it's like, you know, come fuck with me now. Like we're Villanova. Right. You know, you want to come play here? You want to win? We can do that yeah. now. This is what we do now. Jay Wright and the, and we've established ourselves as we're a premier program. It's North Carolina. It's Duke. Villanova's right there. I think that's huge when you go into recruits and and kind of and kind of lock that in. That's definitely big. Yeah, they, and you know they had a, they had a couple guys a few years ago who could play. They never became much of a program, but you know they had Kyle Lowry, had Corey Fisher. He went kind of crazy at yeah. Villanova. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's cool to see it happen. I wonder – first off, Kyle Lowry was tweeting before the game. I forgot, I forgot he went to Nova until yeah. I, he, he was tweeting and he okay, was talking about guy. it. Yeah. Um, speaking of Philly, what a time to be a Philly fan. Yeah, right. Sixers <laughs> are hooping. The Eagles just won the Super Bowl. I, I sighed right there because I'm just thinking about, like, man, we need to have that time. Yeah. Can you imagine like DePaul getting a national title, the Bears winning the Super Bowl, the Bulls being young and getting ready to break on the scene? Like that shit would be ridiculous. That's right. what I need. And like, yo, big ups to the Blackhawks. They got some titles, three of them. The Cubs got their title. If and we, I'm a Cubs guy. I'm a yeah. Cubs fan. But I'm basketball, football, then baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like right. my two squads haven't won anything in a minute, minute. Yeah, we're we're in a good place though, as far as like it's up from here, you know? Yeah, like, well, it's, well it's we gotta hit be the ground and, and now it's up from here. We yeah. got you know, we got the lovers in the right place. We just gotta pull them uh the Bears, the Bulls, both of them, you know, rebuilding and hopefully building around some young talent. Yeah. Um hopefully the Cubs could continue to do what they do. The Hawks, and, you know, we could be title town. I know they're talking about, is Philly title town now? <laughs> Chicago could be title town, man. I'm telling you, we have the market. We have the pieces in place. Um, n- not the pieces as far as the players, but just, you know, the system. Not even the systems, Dan. See, but. we have everything but, like, first off, our ownership is sus on a lot of spots. Right, yeah. Um, that's big, of course. But, yeah, man, of course, like, there's cities that should always have a squad in in, in contention, and, and we're one of them. And yeah, I don't, and we, and I don't we, give a fuck. We got to get back to that. Yeah, so we got to get back to that, and we got to get back to the, uh, the our championship ways. I got a quick question for you. This might be a little off topic, but we could talk about this. In one of the group chats I'm in, this jumped off. Would LeBron be considered the best of all time if him and Jordan switched spots? Like if LeBron came first. And Jordan came after that. Obviously, do they have do they have identical careers as far as LeBron's going to go back to the nineties yeah. and win six? No, no, or no, he's no. going to win three. 
He's gonna flip like their their, their whole okay, thing just flip. flips, but it's different time periods. I'm going Mike, man. If you could do if you could do six now, if you could dominate the way he did now, you know, statistically the accolades, you know, defensively, people forget that part of the game, man. Yo, low defensively, key defensive player of the year. I, I know. You, have you seen this whole LeBron or Jordan was playing plumbers like thing that that's been hot on Twitter right now? Like, nah. There's a whole movement like trying to bring down the comp that. Uh, Jordan was playing, you know, and they and said he wasn't playing anybody. They say he was playing like plumbers, you know, but they pull up some weak tape of like him playing the Cavs or the Celtics in the '80s with some like white dude on him who you know they're calling a plumber. But <laughs> Jordan played what like Elo, Elo, yeah, Elo, some of those guys. But Jordan then you know Jordan played some of the nah, strongest, dude, yes. most physical dudes in the league. So I hate that argument. I'm going Mike either way, especially you know? when we talk about the playoffs. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Playing the, the Pistons, the Knicks defenses who are focusing, you know, two, three guys on them. Right. At a time. It's definitely it's definitely a game changer. I thought that was an interesting topic. I mean, for me, this is the thing for me. I think if you go down each part of the game, scoring, passing, defense, rebounding, et cetera, you can argue that LeBron is right there with Mike. But I think to be the greatest of all time, there's more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, Mike never disappeared. That that was one thing. He left the game a couple of times, but that's something different. Uh, <laughs> and and defensively, man, again, like I, I mentioned it, but that's so big. Like it's 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 a huge part of the game that he was the best at. He was he was the best defender. Yeah. Like he was he was a better defender than Scotty. LeBron locks he, up too. He did. He doesn't anymore. Yeah. You know, he's he's like half a decade removed from an all defensive team. He's you know, he takes possessions off because, you know, he's exerting so much energy offensively, which I guess is an excuse, but, I mean, Mike was doing it too. <laughs> yeah, nah, definitely. Nova, shout out uh, DiVincenzo. That boy got a heater. It is that time of the year again. The Evan Turner Prospect Showcase is this weekend, April 7th and April 8th at Quest Multisport in Chicago. This is a dope event. It's a dope event because this was – I can't remember what it was called before, but Daniel Poneman had been putting this on for a couple right. years. Then Evan, Tucker, Evan Turner took it on. Evan Turner came in, put some money into it, combined with Poneman to put together a, a showcase for athletes that are in are high school trying to go get a, get a college scholarship and – Juco guys that are trying to get to to bigger programs. Right. And I super fuck with that because, you know, it's guys who, you know, the guys going to big programs, they don't need to go to these showcases. They already got the looks. This is for the guys, you know, who didn't get those major looks yet. Um, So shout out to Poneman and Evan Turner for putting this on again. Um, Definitely going to be in the house. Yeah, we're definitely, me and T are going to go over there. I'm going to try to get some pictures off, go talk to some of the guys, make some connections. I think this is going to be really cool. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's one of those things that you always hear, you know, certain people across the board, like, I can play college ball. Like, I just need a look. Right. Well, this is an opportunity for you to go out there, hoop in front of college, college coaches, scouts, what have you, that can put you in that spot to get an education to play ball. Yeah, especially if you're at one of those smaller programs, you know, in the city that don't get as much light. Yeah. That don't get all the scouts. You know, you come ball out, 
you know, you could go to a JUCO, you could go to a, you know, major program. Um, and then shout out to the JUCO kids who are going to be there because, you know, they're working hard, you know, didn't go to a big program, aren't getting, you know, their school paid for it, but they're balling out at JUCOs and now trying to get. Still trying to chase their shit. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what program. it's all about. Right, right. Couple, this is probably months ago now, but pa- we, we had an interview with Poneman. And we were talking about this showcase. And he basically just like, I basically reiterated what he told me. Was like, hey, if you can ball, you register for this, you're going to get a look. If you are, if you're good enough to play college basketball, you will go play college basketball. You come to this showcase. Right. So that's the thing. You can hoop, come show you can hoop, do your thing. And it's going to be that you're going to get a look. This is Evan Turner and I quote. My mission is to provide unsigned high school seniors and juniors, college college basketball players, with an opportunity to play in front of college coaches from all levels at no cost so they may continue using basketball as a vehicle to further academic achievement, which ultimately increases their chances of earning a college degree. That's that's bingo. Right. Like, that's really what this shit's all about, man. I mean, I think that's, that's big, and the no cost thing is big. Here's yeah, a free you- look. Bring your kicks. Come play ball. Yeah, and they got they got some coaches coming too, so you'll be run, you'll be able to run some, you know, um, some sets to get these college coaches um, aware of how you're able to to how, play the like, game. Yo, right. how, yeah, exactly. How do you fit yeah. in my system? How, yeah. yeah, it's gonna be all that. It's type not gonna of be stuff. like the peach jam or just dunks, and you know, it's gonna be kids playing ball, exactly. showing that they can fit into a system. Evan Turner, Times Daniel Poneman Prospect Showcase. Quest Multisport, 2641 West Harrison, Chicago, Illinois. April 7th is for the JUCO players. April 8th is for the high school players. 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. for the high school guys. JUCO guys are April 7th, 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. Come say what's up. We'll be Come say there. what's up. We'll be in there. No catch-up is in the building. That's it for tonight. Me and T is out of here. No catch-up Chicago for Chicago by Chicago. Make sure you subscribe. Keep tuning in. We're going to keep coming with content. Peace.